It's it started to record. Oh, uh, I have also started to record. Nice. <laughs> nice. 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 <laughs> nice. <laughs> Welcome to the Scottcast. Welcome to Scott Cuterie. The Scottastic Scottcast. It's it was good 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 enough for radio. <laughs> Is that what this is? I don't know. We're on the radio. <laughs> We're on the airwaves. I, I mean, kind of, right? I think I would be good on. The, I've been told I have a face for radio. Just kidding. <laughs> Who told you that? No one would ever say that to a person. <laughs> that's always ever something something that someone says about themselves. It's never. I I could never imagine. I think I have a face for radio. <laughs> no. <laughs> Untrue. Hello and welcome back to episode three of Scott Cuterie, the Scottastic Scottcast. I'm here. Uh, it's it's me. <laughs> it's me. Hey, didn't see you there. It's me again, uh, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> and it's me also here, Cat. We're here um, with a very uh, specific episode feature. Um, so one of the things that we wanted to do on this podcast is have. Um, some episodes based on like certain subgenres or waves of ska, and this episode is uh, gonna be third wave ska punk, um, which is really where like both me and Cat have like a lot of our like the main, I guess like portion of like how we got into ska is is I think stemming a lot from from that core of of ska mm-hmm. punk. Yeah, totally. Which I think is so funny because I mean. You know the the first seeds of ska punk were planted before we were born, <laughs> and and then even like the its biggest heyday, you weren't alive yet, <laughs> and I was I was but a wee baby, <laughs> so it's kind of funny to to be so into a a music genre that, I mean, peaked before before we were really in it. <laughs> it's definitely I think I mean it it being kind of the the only time that ska has been in the mainstream, I think it's a lot of younger folks' entryway into ska, which makes it, I think, worth talking about. Definitely, yeah. I guess we belong in a different generation. <laughs> 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 Hate that. <laughs> <laughs> a different generation by like 10 years, like that's it. <laughs> It's so funny too though cuz I remember in high school like a lot of a lot of my friends and myself I guess uh, we were all kind of you know those marching band nerds who liked ska and it seemed like everyone at the time was trying to come up with a ska band and I th- I think that's still kind of the case I mean I I don't really know it in as far as like high school goes but definitely feels like college age marching band nerds are the same way <laughs> of always trying to put together a ska band that i i mean <laughs> i can't attest to that i assume you know you being from like around orange county that that influence was probably like a lot stronger i guess <laughs> or i don't know maybe because i was sheltered <laughs> as fuck um but i i did not hear like i did not learn what ska was until like well into being in cow band and even then I was it was like this word that d- didn't really mean anything to me 
mm. beyond like s- supposed to be, like it was supposed to be some genre of its own. Mm-hmm. Well, but... you know, <laughs> <laughs> two two different worlds, which makes it kind of fun to, to talk about something that we have you know pretty different perspectives on, even though it's something we both appreciate and you know love or some shit. Ha 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 Sorry. <laughs> Today's been a weird day. Has it? <laughs> okay. But more on that later. More on that will be a separate video on our Patreon. <laughs> Pay us big monies to hear what happened to Emma today. <laughs> Pay us a monthly subscription fee to, uh, for us to uh, make you think that we're friends. <laughs> is that is that the appeal of Patreon? I think so. I, I guess know. kind of. Yeah. I've never subscribed to anyone on Patreon, so I wouldn't really know. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's get into it. So, what is third wave ska? Any, any, <laughs> I've, I've done a little bit of research on this over the last couple of days, so I've, I've come to, to many different answers to that question, but I'm kind of curious, like, what you, what you think of when you hear that phrase, because it, it gets tossed around a lot, for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely think it depends on the perspective. I think it definitely represents, you know, the most visible, uh, form of ska in, like, uh, U.S. culture, and, like, a period in which, like, a lot of ska musicians were getting, like, mainstream attention and, like, you know, more mainstream record deals. Um, but I think from, like, different perspectives, for example, like, an, a non-ska fan, I guess, in, in this p- time period now, after the fact, I think it's often stereotyped as, like, the, like, wears, like, checkers and, like, mm-hmm. has, like, the fedora... Um, I think there's definitely, like, a stereotype that's formed based on that as, like, sort of, like, it it dipped out of the mainstream. And then also, I think, from the perspective of someone within the ska scene now, there's the sort of aspect of, like, like, that was great for ska, but what is really the message of ska and how is that kind of lost because of, sort of, like, the mainstreamification? Is that a word? I don't know. But, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts. Yeah. No, totally. I don't, I don't know if mainstreamification is a word, but I think (laughs) just mainstream as a verb is fine. (laughs) Like the mainstreaming of ska in the like 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, I definitely still associate that era of ska um, with like, like you said, the fedora, the, the checkered pattern, the Hawaiian shirt, the like goofy kinds of aesthetic choices. And, like, even thinking about the bands that do, um, like, really emphasize those, and I'm thinking specifically of Real Big Fish, (laughs) Um, like, those choices are still, like, pretty uh, intentional and, like, kind of ironic. I mean, you know, look at their, one of their most famous songs, Sellout, the whole idea of that is, like, haha, we're selling out to the mainstream, look, look at what kind of content we're making now, Um, and... You know, that, that always comes at a cost anytime a, a music genre or even, you know, an artist or a band uh, dips into the, the popular sphere. 
that there's always going to be these other kinds of market forces at play deciding what what elements of that music or what elements of their like visual aesthetic get uh, blown up and, and turned into a, a bigger representation of the genre. So I understand that when people get kind of frustrated by by the pigeonholing of of third wave ska, but I'm hoping maybe we can unpack a little bit of where that comes from and and maybe even um, you know script a new a new image of third wave ska punk so that we can all rest uh, rest a little bit better. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm I'm ready. Jump jump right in it. Here I go. Alyup. Sploosh. Sploosh. The crowd goes wild. Blub, 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 blub. <laughs> Oh. Wait, this is a competition? <laughs> That's what I was imagining. I was like a, a diving competition. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Never mind. Anyway. I, I put up a 10. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm bowing from underneath the, the surface of the water. You're still underwater. I'm drowning. <laughs> Someone oh help! I can't God. swim. I can only dive. The 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 lifeguard throws out the the ring thingy. I don't know why that sounded like a whip, but, but go but with I'm, it. But I'm underneath the water. I can't reach it. Oh my God! She's not breathing. What is happening? Oh my God! So this was a fun uh, improv comedy bit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway well well that's it for today folks uh, stay tuned for next episode <laughs> featuring emma only because cat died <laughs> she drowned in a tragic diving accident but her legacy will live on forever hell that yeah. perfect 10 hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well to dive right in i i guess i'll just you know ride this third wave into into this next phase of the of this uh, episode of the podcast, um, and I've been I've been doing a lot of research. Eh, maybe not a lot. I've been doing a little bit of research <laughs> on um, this era of ska because I've I've really been interested in the the trajectory of ska since its you know origins in the fifties and sixties, um, and and trying to tease out that that timeline to see you know, where where things split off, uh, where the genre really solidified, and um, what kind of what kind of conflicts and what kind of tensions have been coming up um, throughout that whole time. And so when I was looking into a, a lot of stuff about the 80s and the 90s ska punk, um, I came across a, a couple of really interesting um, articles and a lot of interesting commentary ab- about this really formative era of ska and what I what I think that is really cool about third wave ska punk is you know we nowadays we kind of associate it as sound like sounding like one particular thing, but at the time it was actually a lot of different um, aesthetics, um, both in the actual albums themselves, but also in the the DIY kinds of concert venues and and scenes where they would play live. Um, I I read an article by uh, Aaron Carnes the other day that was interviewing um, and, and speaking about Mike Park, um, who currently owns uh, Asian Man Records, but, you know, back back in the 90s, he was just the the sax player and lead singer of Skink and Pickle. <laughs> so it's kind of wild to, like, hear, uh, hear his voice talking about 
um, those early days. But, you know, he, he mentioned that uh, Skink and Pickle played a lot of different genres. They would play ska, but they'd also play reggae and funk and um, more like hardcore stuff too. And it's it's really fascinating to think that, you know, we we pretend that there's this one sound of ska, but back in the, in those times, I don't know why I say back in those times, back in the 90s, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> but um, they would they would play a lot of different genres. Um, and it, it wasn't really until kind of the the mid 90s when those bands were starting to make mainstream success um, that the image and the the sonic identity of ska started to solidify in a more particular kind of way. And a lot of that mainstream sound was coming out of, you know, Southern California. We have bands like, say, Ferris, No Doubt, Fishbone, Real Big Fish, uh, Goldfinger. Some people would say Sublime counts as a ska band. I've also heard them identified as reggae, but, you know, there's a lot of nuance there. And and even, I, I went back and listened to some early no doubt today and i found that there was a lot more um a lot more playing with different genres than i anticipated i definitely expected to find um more of a two-tone sound but interestingly enough uh there was a whole lot of different things going on definitely like la area in the 90s was a, a hotbed for musical um musical fusions and, and musical uh other kinds of diversifying, which is super awesome to to really see play out within ska punk as well. So that's kind of how I've uh, come to characterize third wave ska punk, um, at least historically speaking. Yeah, that makes sense. I think especially once you dive into the history of, of ska as a genre, like uh, the, the transference of, of different cultures and um, just like how international it is, mm-hmm. inter-genre, inter um, I think that definitely makes sense to to its history, and I think it's interesting how sort of reaching the mainstream affected its like the third wave's legacy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Do you think like there was any like long term effect on either how like like the the evolution of of ska based on it reaching the mainstream and becoming like more focused on ska punk in that in that time? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I'm not totally sure. I, I'm sure, like, you know, anytime, anytime a band becomes mainstream, um, there's a, a lot more different parties involved, you know? Like, the record labels have a little bit more of a say in what kinds of music they're able to, to produce. Um, so I, I think for some of the bands that signed on to, to big record labels, I mean, Real Big Fish is kind of the, the big example, but... Um, you know, this this is the case in, in all genres, too. Like, there is some element of um, branding identity that, like, kind of restricts them to, to a particular sound. Um, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be curious to see kind of the, the transformations of a lot of the, the ska punk bands that we think of today and to go back and, and see kind of how they, how they might have played with genre a little bit more mm-hmm. before... Uh, before this mainstream event yeah definitely and it makes me wonder especially with what's happening now with new tone and a lot of bands trying to branch out um in terms Mm -hmm. of what it means to be ska which i think really you know is part of like the the historical tradition of ska as a genre but i wonder as 
you know, the ska scene gains more attraction, which I feel like it has within the last, I don't know, while or so. Mm -hmm. Will will that affect, I guess, what scope within, like, bands are allowed to evolve, do you think? Yo, that's such a good question. I mean, yeah, it's, it's wild to think about, like, the... Both of the the possibilities, but also kind of the the dangers of current mainstreaming. Um, I read like it must have been like three or four articles that have been released in the last year about ska, and I'm sure there's a, a bunch more too. But those were on like uh, Vice, Grunge, Spin. Um, so it, it's 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 interesting to see like the music cr- critics are definitely picking up on this re-emergence of ska which some might call a fourth wave um these articles definitely tried to call it a fourth wave which i think is is interesting um and i wonder if the fourth wave in their perspective implies a kind of like mainstream uh resurgence um i think even even though there there definitely is a risk of like history repeating itself um and just like knowing how the mainstream works in general in terms of you know more actors at play in terms of like mm-hmm. a uh, forming a brand's uh, like a, a band's branding and image mm-hmm. um i do think that we are fortunate to have you know still like indie record labels that are very much you know entrenched in ska's history and willing to advocate for you know its what makes it unique i guess totally yeah the the artistic aspect of it you know with asian man records and also uh bad time i don't know any others sorry (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah and i also think with um you know the the internet being in the place that it is it's a lot easier to um for artists to be seen in front of like a a large audience Mm -hmm. and Um, that's definitely something that's been seen a lot, especially with uh, SoundCloud and rappers. Um, And I think because, like, rap is already a very mainstream genre, that gives, you know, some sort of momentum for up-and-coming artists to to put their work out there and for it to be seen because that genre is, you know, in the mainstream. So I think there's, like, two sides to where, like, being in the mainstream could have negative effects, but I think given, like, the the time and, like, the conditions that we live in, it could definitely open up the potential for a lot more ska bands to be seen. Yeah, I'm, and I'm totally here for that. Like, I think that's so cool that, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's always a, a tricky, tricky situation, but in general, I think it's, it's such a cool thing that ska bands will finally get some recognition and hopefully some like cash money too you know (laughs) like I feel like ska musicians um often just don't it's just a really hard to to make a living in that genre in particular I mean just thinking about how large ska bands tend to be especially if they have a horn section um like that's that's expensive to to pay for all of those people to to exist (laughs) and have food and housing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Definitely big props to, to bad time for, for really committing to getting a ska record label out on the market. Super cool. Yeah, definitely. I think especially because 
I mean, this is really just like me ripping from the bio on their like about us page. Um, but like, you know, they were formed in 2018 because people were like, it's a it's a quote unquote bad time for ska. So I think, you know, that sort of spirit from, you know, bad time or like other bands, other indie record labels is what's gotten us to this point now where people are talking about ska again and like sort of like what the reemergence is going to look like. And I think, you know, having faith in the genre and the artists that are out there, the content mm-hmm. that they're able to produce is is like important to, you know, what like putting putting ska out there. And, you know, we we definitely have those like people to thank for that. Totally. So now to talk about the the old timey time ska punk, <laughs> the old third wave. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like what? What kind of sounds do you think of when you when you even think of what the third wave sounds like? Mm-hmm. I think of I think of two things. I think like ska punk, and then I also think of like the the serious fun mm. like aspect mm-hmm. of or like a specific branding of of serious fun in terms of ska, like real big fish, um, the Aquabats those sorts of people yeah can you can you explain a little bit more like what is the serious fun (laughs) i love that phrasing (laughs) i think um it's like in within the performance it's like super like light and and fun and i think specific to the third wave there's a lot of like sort of i don't i don't want to say tacky but like (laughs) okay i'm just gonna say it like aesthetic choice, like goofy aesthetic choices, you know. Even they, though they are meant to like be fun and lighthearted, that doesn't mean that like those bands aren't putting in like serious work into into what they do and are mm-hmm. really committed to the music that they put out there. Totally, yeah, that's rad. I I really like that. I've never heard that term before, but I I totally feel that for for third wave ska punk. <laughs> Especially with Aquabats. <laughs> Bunch of goofballs. <laughs> but incredibly talented. Like, listen to an Aquabats drummer. Like, I think it's Travis Barker, right? Uh, I'll check that, maybe. <laughs> but it's insane. Like, so, so, like, technically precise. Really, really great stuff. Yeah, I can't believe they had their own TV show. Like, that's such a wild like, bit of history to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was that weird, that weird time where, like, MTV was, like, started showing, like, more TV show stuff, and so there was this weird moment where, like, other TV uh, networks uh, started, like, putting out more kinds of music shows, because they, they got a, they got that show, and wasn't there, who was on Yo Gabba Gabba? Wasn't there some band... I don't know if it was, I don't think it was a ska band, but there was some, like, alt-rock band that was on Yo Gabba Gabba. Interesting. I'm gonna I'm look that up right now. Sweet. <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta know the facts. <laughs> um, I see one video that says the Agrilites playing the song Banana. I'm gonna watch the first few seconds and decide if it's real or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh! No fucking way. 
Yo Gabba Gabba, like the show, was literally created by Christian Jacobs, the lead singer of the Aquabats. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> okay, that's wild. This is this is my everything. That's so cool. Yeah, this, this history we're uncovering. Yeah, here, man. That's <laughs> we're out here. Digging it no, up. That makes sense. That makes sense. Based on just like the the Aquabats aesthetic. Yeah. And I think I think also like serious fun is is very much a, a concept that translates to a lot of children's media. So it makes sense. Totally. Good on him. Yeah. Doing, doing things. Yeah. So fun. Living the dream. Yeah, I guess some of the some of the guest musicians they had on that show were The Killers, Jimmy Eat World. What? Uh, I mean, the Aquabats, of course. Oh man, um, I'm sad I didn't watch this show. Yeah, me too. <laughs> when, actually, when did Yo Gabba Gabba air? Um, let's see, 2007 to 2011. So I think I, I was just barely too old to be interested <laughs> in a show like this Me if i had known well. about the music though oh man i probably would have watched it's true i i was also too old i was i was a grown-up already that's it at that point that's yep. a fact we're both both two old women out here actually <laughs> i'm a grandmother <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what, like, percentage of our, our viewers know Vines, you know? Like, what's the, the intersection of, of Ska fans and Vine watchers? It's probably actually pretty high. Like, I, I think there's a lot of... Right? Because I feel like... I mean, Vine was definitely popular when I was in high school, into college. I believe that was the time. So I should have known Vines, but I did not. Ska was popular when I was in high school. So, it would make sense. I definitely can name at least three people who like Ska and Vines. <laughs> so, them's the facts. <laughs> <laughs> Me, what's the overlap? Catherine, I got three people. <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, I only know four people, so... <laughs> Wait, including yourself? No comment. <laughs> Do any of us really know ourselves, though? It's a, welcome, welcome back to an, another episode of Scott Cutery. This episode theme: identity crisis. <laughs> Honestly, every episode—that's how I'm feeling. <laughs> oh, God. Every episode of my life. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I feel like serious fun is the kind of lifestyle that I want to lead anyway. You know, like I think I get that uh that imaginative desire from Ska. So, I, yeah. Yeah. I I vibe with that a lot. And I think especially now where because there isn't like a whole lot of money in Ska that, you know, these people are like putting, you know, all this effort into their bands, mm -hmm. their their record label, whatever it is that they're, you know, doing within the, the ska scene. Yeah. But also, you know, have probably a day job. Maybe some have families because, you know, I think a lot of the sort of, like, 
bands that we know are like at that age range of like mm. they have families now so i can't like me as like a, a college age person can't imagine you know what really goes into that yeah you would not believe the the person that i found on twitch the other day who the guitarist from real big fish <laughs> oh man I I remember when we uh, saw Real Big Fish, summer 2019. God, hey. that's so long ago. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. <laughs> Anyways, um, but I remember being really impressed by the, the lead singer. Because mm-hmm. he was doing like the, the upstrokes and singing at the same time, which is definitely not something I've been able to achieve. Yeah. <laughs> let alone just the upstrokes. My My goodness. Yeah, I don't know how anyone how anyone could. <laughs> yeah. I think if I if I was in a ska band, I'd probably just sing. I don't think my brain can like comprehend that that many different <laughs> things at once, you know. Dude, that's so fair. Yeah. Some people are, are mega talented. It was definitely interesting being being there at the the Real Big Fish show and like so everyone there was pretty much older than us. Mm-hmm. Like we were just some fucking kids. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas everyone was like, I don't know, old, real people. Real old people. (laughs) Real adults as opposed to fake ones. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Yeah, but it's it's so cool too, because like, I mean, that music still spoke to us, you know? Like, I, I think that that's something that's special about ska punk in particular that has this, um, like, youthful quality like it's it's a very youthful genre that kids will probably be listening to forever you know like the mm-hmm. counterculture kids will be listening to in like 30 <laughs> years still <laughs> the counterculture kids. Yeah, i definitely think that also a, like a lot of that stems from like the serious fun aspect mm-hmm. i think it, like there's just so much versatility within just yeah. the, the term the concept serious fun mm-hmm it's just like i don't know something about it like it's just like very appealing in, totally you know like living your life sense you know of just like go crazy go stupid <laughs> that's one whatever way to put you it. want <laughs> do whatever you want put your whole heart into it, <laughs> it definitely gives me like anime protag vibes <laughs> <laughs> well should we listen to some oh man i i guess we should <laughs> nice so I actually haven't listened to Fishbone until um, kind of recently when I was looking into the the, the origins of ska punk. And mm-hmm. when I was going through their discography, I found a lot of really fascinating differences. Like, even within a single record, you know, there was some ska, there was some reggae, some funk, some, like, heavy metal kind of, like, alt-rock stuff. Um, a really confusing assortment of sounds <laughs> like one song felt like i was listening to red hot chili peppers and then the next one felt like i was listening to like earth wind and fire it was insane super cool <laughs> um but i was thinking maybe we could listen to unyielding conditioning and they're coming out of los angeles um california they've been they've been making music for a really long time like you know 70s and they're still making music now although i'm sure uh, the band has probably changed quite a bit over the years. 
but this mm-hmm. is from their 1993 album, Give a Monkey a Brain and He'll Swear He's the Center of the Universe. Wow, right. what a title. That's yeah. how you know it's good. The real <laughs> shit. <laughs> Alright, let's pop off. Wild, right? Yeah. That Barry Sax really just goes for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was some pretty wild technique going on. Yeah. Way, way up and down. <laughs> Cra- crazy how Barry Saxes do that. <laughs> it, it always, like, really impressed me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, something about just, like, the amount of range that berries are able to have. It's, like, so, so mind-blowing to me. Especially, like, how precise you have to be with your technique, especially for, for saxophones. Yeah. Otherwise you sound bad. Sax yeah. is wild. <laughs> Weird how it's, like, the easiest instrument, but, like, to be good, it's, like, you know, there's, yeah. there's so much more to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes it all the more impressive when they are, like, you know, next level. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that this song definitely gave me more, like, OG, like, Jamaican ska vibes with, like, just, like, the feel, like, the, the back of the pocket feel with um yeah <laughs> it, like the the laid backness mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's it's really i i find that it, it it blends the two quite well like it it really shows the start to transition into a ska punk aesthetic like the vocals are a lot more upfront um the fact that there's like a pretty decent horn section like, I, I can imagine this one being played live and just having, like, a huge setup with, you know, with all of the instrumentalists, um, which is pretty different from, like, the, you know, the original ska bands. Um, so, yeah, ha- making note of, like, all of the, like, electronic components as well, you know, like, it's mm-hmm. it's a much bigger production, which is why it's, it's cool to, like, go back and, and see the connective tissue, that it wasn't just, like, real big fish aesthetic out of nowhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, sort of what was in between what yeah. people recognize as distinctive points. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do let's do Mighty Mighty Boston's. I was also looking at their uh, older tracks, and they have some, like, metal? Like, I don't... It's wild. <laughs> I was kind of confused. <laughs> but then they also have more, like, uh two-tone sounding kinds of uh, tracks as well. Very mm-hmm. versatile, which I, I find is often the case with kind of all of the bands in this era, that they are really versatile. It's just kind of what what sticks in the mainstream. So mm-hmm. this is impression that I get. Now that I really, like, took a moment to think about the song, I can definitely see how it also, like, sort of fits between the, like, distinctive subgenres of ska. Like, I think it, it did have, like, a more, like, light, like, relaxed feel to it, but there were still, like, moments, especially during the chorus, where, um, like, like, the guitar chords, like, depth and, like, 
tone were very much more on like the the harder side Mm -hmm. yeah and also like in the the vocals like the especially the way they're performed in this song i feel are so like edgy you know like Mm -hmm. like really reminiscent of of the punk scene where it's just yelling at you (laughs) which i kind of love you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. um oh man it'd be so fun to be in the the pit for this probably (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but just like a a tasteful hint of yelling you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) also i think it's so funny i'd never listened like with headphones to the end but like the way that the um, kind of they just turn the levels down on the drum set like it's still playing the beat but it's just getting quieter and quieter <laughs> so funny <laughs> always such a classic definitely like something I've always wondered is is how do you translate songs that are use a lot of digital tools and are more catered toward like the um, individual listening experience I'm like, how do you how do you translate that to a live performance? Like, of course, there's always going to be like drawbacks when you translate from one direction to another. And I think especially during this era where there's still, I think especially like with um, Fishbone, uh, the one that we just listened to, there was very much like the the improv aspect, which isn't heard a lot these mm. days in in terms of um, like a lot of canned music. Yeah. Um, so there's sort of like this blending of like things that are catered toward like the live experience, which a lot of ska is, but also starting to use the digital tools that um, make for a different uh, hearing experience when you're mm-hmm. you know, at home with headphones on. Yeah, it's it's so wild because I mean even the ska bands that I've seen live, like they do improv a lot more than you know, you're ever able to hear on their records. And I don't know if, I don't know if I'd prefer that they play more solos on their records. I kind of like the way that it it currently exists, that like going to a live show means that you'll get something different. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what a lot of ska fans like cling to also, that like knowing that it's going to be such a different experience, like in all senses, like both what you're hearing, but also what you're what you're seeing, what you're smelling, how, how like how warm it feels when you're like shoved up against other people, you know, like that's all part of the sky experience in in a live show. <laughs> it's definitely fair. I think they are both very well like catered to their their listening environments, adapting in in both directions. Hell yeah. <laughs> Um, Mamma Mia. <laughs> yeah, which one of these My ska God. bands covered Mamma Mia? That's what I want to know. <laughs> True. Where's my ska cover of Mamma Mia? Ska Abba. Skaba. Skaba. <laughs> Honestly, I could see Scott 2 Network doing a, a cover. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's not as much of a crossover between musical theater and ska as as I want there to be. <laughs> But I feel like that'd be weird. Where, where's my ska musical? You know, like, like yeah. how there's like rock musicals, like like Green Day mm-hmm. had that one. <laughs> where's my ska musical? True. I feel like that makes so much sense. Do you, you know, think like, so? The amount of like 
like carefree like kids shows that are like have Scott either like written into it or like come from like the same like people within the same vicinity. I'm like, if you can do like a TV show out of that, I feel like you that's true. Do a musical. Yeah, I wish the Aquabats took their their show on the road <laughs> instead <laughs> like of the, the Wiggles. TV. With the- <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I wonder what the mosh fits like at the Wiggles concert. Catherine, <laughs> <laughs> their children. So. <laughs> easier easier crowd surfing probably <laughs> they've all had too much candy yeah they're all cranky from the the long drive hell yeah i feel the same way every time <laughs> to make this relevant let me <laughs> um i wonder what that sort of like transformation like across generations is like to to be performing with these people who have who have done their their craft for so long mm. you know I, especially with like um i think we were talking about this with uh bite me bambi and how like a lot of their performers were from a lot of the yeah very formative like ska mm-hmm. ska punk era of like the third wave right um and also how like a lot of record labels nowadays are have their roots in like performers who are now you know doing things in like the the indie Label mm-hmm. um. <laughs> but yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, like even like probably when we saw Real Big Fish last year, it probably wasn't the full original band. Like I'm sure there were some musicians that they had to like hire for for the tour because of mm-hmm. all of the families that people have these days. <laughs> you know, yeah, especially with like I think uh, instrumentalists. I think. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many other avenues of of work for those people, right? Like, it's not always you can be like committed to one band. Yeah, that dy- dynamic must be super wild. I would love to talk to someone who's done that <laughs> one day for the for the Scodcast. 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 <laughs> uh, you want to do a. Let's, what should we do next? Real Big Fish or Streetlight? I think... I think I'm leaning more towards Streetlight just because they represent, like, very much leaning more in, like, the, the punk direction. Which sure, is, yeah. Yeah. What song? They have a lot of they really do. good ones. <laughs> which Streetlight song? <laughs> mm. The, the three of us seems to be the the first one that pops up, which is but... so weird. I I never used to think that that was that popular of a song. Maybe it's yeah. Let's do that. Damn, I had to I had to go in and look up who played trombone on this album because they've had a lot of different trombonists yeah. over time. But Nadav Nirenberg, oh, that was it. So good, Ugh. so incredibly good. Yeah, wow. that <laughs> wow. solo too. Like even though I didn't, live, still like it's so good. I will remember it. Like I, I remember yeah, it. totally. I feel it. You know, like, especially when he does those like glisses up, up and up. Mm-hmm. And, like, especially the way it's mastered, too, so it's, like, from right ear to left ear 
to right ear to left ear. It's like, wow, here we go. We're going on a journey with, with the, the trombone player. <laughs> He's zooming. He... <laughs> yeah, that one, I really think it's interesting how they play around with like different guitar tones. Because mm. um, there's like the acoustic that pops out, especially when, when it like sort of cuts down to more bare bones instrumentation. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that gives it very much like a, a like the, I don't know, like, like the, the DIY feel. I don't know. Something For sure, about acoustic yeah. is just like very like bare bones, like mm-hmm. just, just some people playing some music. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what I just said anyways. Um, but then there's also like the, the pure tone and like the grittier tones and like the way that they, you know, use the, the like, oh my gosh, I don't know what it's called. Like which side it's on. Yeah. Like, like acoustic in one end, like the grittier guitar in another end. Mm-hmm. And then at, at one point, like there was another guitar that came in on like the acoustic side. And I was like, this is, this is a very interesting like play of yeah all these different guitars because i don't know i think especially with ska you think of um in like musically you think about how the the different horn lines play together especially because like that's very like bright on top of the sound mm-hmm. i think that's that's also an interesting play of different instruments totally yeah and i think that's honestly one of streetlight's biggest strengths is having all of these like, it's, it's a very dense musical sound where they have all these different instruments with different tones and timbres that even, like, themselves take on different tones and timbres throughout the song as we get to, to different parts of it, too. Um, and, and the way that they're, like, mastered in different spaces, but also um, as some come up and come down, it's really really a fun listening experience to to check out this this song in particular, but, like, this band in general i feel like they've been consistently this kind of feeling for i mean all that i've listened to them they've always sounded like this basically yeah it's definitely incredible how much range they have within the style that they've established where it's the songs have so much versatility in terms of you know how how they're like arranged or like Mm -hmm. you know this, the songs themselves, like, you can tell, like, this is a streetlight song. They all have, like, the same sort of, like, vibe. You can connect them all based on the style. Mm-hmm. There's still, like, so much within that artistically yeah. that can can change. Yeah. And every time I listen, I find something new that I'm just, like, obsessed with. <laughs> like, that last time I listened, I love the, like, walking bass lines. Like, their bassist is incredible. Um, just really innovative and like creative kind of writing that you know in in a lot of i mean that's kind of the the jokes about punk music is that it's usually like pretty basic kinds of chords like you play four or like five chords per song but um ska punk takes that and then spins it on its head by having such incredible uh talented musicians in every part of the band um, and, and I think Streetlight's a prime example of that. Absolutely. Like, going hard, you know, the the gritty aspect, but also, like, the incredible musicianship and, like, amount of, of like, musical ability and expression that goes into every every part of making the song and then performing it. Mm-hmm. 
Wait, I wanna. I just wanna read this passage. I'm here for it. Um, this, this is an interview by Toke regarding um, Streetlight re or like recording it as well. We wanted to get it right for once. Plus, it helps me sleep at night knowing blood, sweat, and tears were put into an. Whoop, <laughs> fuck, were put into a record as opposed to making people pay thirteen bucks for a record and they only get flashy new cover art. <laughs> this release is a preemptive strike, I guess. Whatever you want to call it, it'll piss people off, and that, at the end of the day, is all that really matters. Rad. <laughs> That's so punk. What the fuck? <laughs> I want to be friends with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he sounds sick as fuck. <laughs> Just single-handedly, like, defending his legacy of his, his songs. My goodness. Dude, yeah, I respect it. <laughs> yeah. I I respect the hell out of Toke as like a writer cuz mm-hmm. my god the, the the way they really just fit so many words yeah in, and it like <laughs> it sounds great it has great meaning just like it's so impressive mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how he does it beats me <laughs> who who knows find out on a future episode when we interview Toke. That's a promise. <laughs> that, it's a promise? That's a promise. <laughs> Catherine, what if we can't give them what they want? Uh, that's a promise. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> then you we can blame... will be big enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we will get so popular that Toke will have... He will be honored to come to <laughs> our podcast. Ask a cast. <laughs> Skidcast. We have to make everyone say Skidcast. <laughs> That's one of the they're, rules. It's like the, the guest is on, and they're like, I, I'm so honored to be on the Skidcast. And we're like, The, the what? Uh uh-uh. uh. Sorry, could you say that again? I, I don't quite understand what you meant. <laughs> I can't wait to just be that, that asshole. That podcast <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Our future is bright. <laughs> it sh- sure is. I can't wait to be st- stuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going. I was going into No Doubt's um, discography today, and was surprised by how much I wouldn't actually classify as ska. You know what I mean? Yeah. It like just the the lack of upbeats was kind of confusing, at least like when with all of the like popular songs or like the the more popular ones for sure. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, which is interesting. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. Like coming out of you know uh, Anaheim, Orange County area, there's certainly a lot of a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of different stylistic influences, and especially as ska started making its way into the mainstream, um, it wasn't always the ska songs that that made their way into the mainstream. But Sunday morning is pretty ska. Oh yeah, you like that one? I've never heard her. Sweet, let's do it. <laughs> Man, 
honest, even though I I know and like really love a lot of No Doubt's more more mainstream popular songs, I still have trouble pinning like their style if that if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean they have a lot <laughs> which is so so interesting and like I, I wonder kind of where those influences come from. I mean thinking about like Gwen Stefani's own personal career, she's taken it in a lot of different directions. So maybe that's partly why No Doubt is so hard to pin down. Um but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Like the synth upbeats really give me a lot of like retro vibes but also I don't know, it's like a, a very specific mm-hmm. use of or like evolution of, of the original upbeat in terms of like timbre. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It it feels like very retro to me um given like that sort of like synth sound is used in like sort of older music, not in the context of like upbeats but like as as chords. Mhm. Yeah, definitely like that that organy sound, which kind of reminds me a lot of like Catbite's style is yeah, having that yeah, like yeah. organ synth thing going on, mm-hmm. which is like I I love both both of those bands in different ways <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I really like that about No Doubt is I feel like even though a lot of their music feels like a more new kind of um, new version of ska, like there's still a lot of these elements that that bring it back into, like, a, a more retro vintage aesthetic as well. They really confuse me in a lot of ways. <laughs> me too. <laughs> There's almost, like, a, a sense of, like, tension between the use of, like, the, the synth chords and then sort of morphing throughout the song into a, a more, like, punk slash harder vocals. Mm-hmm. Um you know, leaning passages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially, like, at that, like, chorus section right at the end of, um, at the end of all this build-up, which feels like it's, it's building for a really long time, and then finally when you get to the, like, you came up with the breeze, Sunday morning, she said it, (laughs) she said it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And then it's, like, big drums on every beat, like, chords in every beat feels like a, a really punk kind of delivery of that sound yeah i definitely recognize the sort of like um you know the the mixing of different genres even throughout like the one song i think is something that we um talked on briefly in about one of like the the newer releases i mm-hmm. think it might have been uh either bad operation or gray matter one mm-hmm. of their songs mm-hmm. i thought really mm-hmm. also did that as well in terms of you know shifting between like punk and you know ska and even having tastes of like more more modern pop totally yeah anyway thanks all for listening to to the the skacuterie the skacast skacuterie skacuterie oh man infecting all the other words be sure to check us out on uh social media we got our twitter handle skacuterie I think I made the Instagram but didn't post anything yet. Also, Skakutery. Excellent. There sure is low demand for the tag Skakutery. <laughs> wonder wonder why that is. Because they don't get it yet. They're not on. They're not on board. Everyone's still out here eating normal fucking appetizers. Nah. All these nor- <laughs> All these normies don't know what's up. Wine and cheese. You know what's the new wine and cheese? Ska and. 
There it is. It's got cutery. Oh, End scene. <laughs> <laughs>